for me it was the feeling of becoming sick where I felt, oh, I need to take a day off. And that was happening for me on and off for a few years. But as years have now gone that I've been looking into these things, I think it is more about underlying systems in ourselves, which we haven't actually looked into. And it's not about being a CEO, being a founder. Hi, I am Sophie Vaux, and this is the Rise and Play podcast. In the show, I sit down with influential thought leaders of the gaming industry to deconstruct how they create the best team and company cultures in order to create the best games. Every episode brings actionable insight to improve your leadership, self-awareness, and emotional management skills. Because becoming a better leader starts with becoming a better human. So, are you ready to unlock your full potential in life and business? Let's begin. Raise up your game development with a new podcast sponsor, Game Refinery. Having been the user myself, what I like about Game Refinery's tool is that it helps game developers take a more data-driven approach to adding features, metas, and live events to their mobile games at any stage of development, from new game development to growing the current portfolio of games. And what makes Game Refinery differ from a traditional market research tool is that its team of game analysts play and deconstruct the best-in-class mobile games on an ongoing basis across 50 genres, hundreds of features, and thousands of live events. The data insights provided are actionable because they are based on data collected by real humans and not bots. And you will save a lot of time browsing through a database of almost 100,000 screenshot implementation that you can collect and share with your teammates. So want to learn more about how game developers like Zynga, FunPlus, Rovio, Garena, and King use Game Refinery to build better games with leaner teams? Go to info.gamerefinery.com slash riseandplay to sign up for free access or to request a demo. Or just check out the link in the podcast episode notes. So today I am delighted to have Joachim again with me on the podcast. When I say again, because I've been a few times on his podcast and he has been once in my podcast in the first season and with a season like going through specific topics in leadership. Then I'm inviting Joachim again to talk about controversial topic that we don't talk enough about in work and in gaming is mental burnout. So uh, before we start with Joachim, for the ones who don't know yet about Joachim, he words about him. He's a gaming entrepreneur from Helsinki in Finland and he started his first video games company in 2005 and ran it for six years before it failed. Then he worked as well as Supercell before founding his second company, Next Games, in 2013. And Next Games has been recently acquired by Netflix. And then in 2019, he left Next Game to start Elite Game Developer, that I hope most of you know by now, which is a great platform with a mission of helping gaming founders build successful gaming companies. With Joachim in our similar missions to help gaming entrepreneurs, founders, team leaders to just have more impact with their work and as well elevate their team and people. That's how we gather today to talk about the topic of mental burnout. And the reason why I chose this topic is because in the past, so Joachim wrote about it and I thought it very powerful actually for a game entrepreneur to even write about it uh, because there's a lot of shame around the topic and that's what I wanted to deconstruct today with Joachim. So hey Joachim, thanks for joining the podcast today. 
Thanks, Sophie. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me to come back. So let's get right into the topic. Let's start first with observation here. And what are the current observation on burnout? And you have talked to many entrepreneurs as well in the gaming industry by now with Elite Game Developers that came out with your discussion with other founders and entrepreneurs. What have you seen? I think it's still very much a topic that doesn't get covered. People don't want to bring it up. Let's say like I'm talking to a lot of founders constantly, like hundreds, and it never comes really up. Like it's very much like only a few people that I historically know who have been open about it. Like maybe people don't suffer from burnout, but like managing their stress, managing what could down the line cause a burnout, that doesn't get covered I'm trying to tell founders that you're working so hard, you're doing a lot of stuff and there's uncertainty about your startup. Please take some measures to take care of yourself now. And let's get back to the basis of definition of what we call burnout here. What can we call burnout? It's so hard to describe what it actually is besides not wanting to do anything anymore. <laughs> that, that was how it felt like for me early 2019 when I definitely suffered a burnout where it was this case that didn't feel like it's something that could go away. Like previously I had felt fatigued and also stressed out and taking a few days to recover always had helped. But then at that one point in 2019, it just felt like this is not going away anymore. And I don't have any joy of working on anything. Like an overwhelming feeling of depression and not being able to function, which lasted for, I would say, a few weeks. And then it gradually started going away once I changed some things in my life. I don't know if there's even an official label for burnout with specific symptoms. It's more traits or phase of life. And so that's why it's important to at least talk about the things we can observe. And also from the people who I've worked with who have expressed feeling in a burnout. And that was very helpful for them to also signal to me as their lead that they were going through this that they just had no energy to wake up, to do anything, no taste, I would say, of life, not feeling excited about anything, like quite apathic. And so recognizing this, that it was happening for them for some persistent period of time, they had to let me know to either ask some time off or just acknowledge to me about the expectation I could have about their work, that it would not be the results delivered as usual. And that was very helpful for me to know. Back to also your own experience. How did you deal with it? How was the process, like the whole journey for you from the recognition that it happened to the decisions even you took for yourself and actions? Yeah, like I've spent now years, of course, reflecting on what I did and at least took action then when I decided that I need to change what I'm spending time on in my life. So I left Next Games and started working on elite game developers. So that change, I think, triggered a lot of pressure was removed already there. And a recovery phase could finally start. Then thinking about what I reflected on, what I didn't maybe consider or didn't know how to deal with this, 
like I remember I was seeing a therapist already before the burnout and it was a slow progress of trying to figure out like why am I stressed and I remember I was telling the therapist that I'm thinking about like maybe leaving my job in a sense and the therapist was like this is probably not fixing the underlying reasons why you are feeling burnout I'm curious, like when you decided to go to therapy, what was the trigger point? If it was any way related to work that you thought, well, maybe I need some help and I need to understand something that is not going right for me. Yeah, exactly. Like it's talking to somebody that helps looking up how to deal better with stress and to avoid burnout. I was actually like trying to figure it out. And one of those things was to actually seek professional help. Like that was probably the key point there. I think it's like everybody should be more like studying themselves versus I don't have time for that. Like I'll just watch Netflix and lie in bed when I'm feeling bad. But like, how do you fix the underlying things if you're not really like looking inside of yourself? And I wanted also to take the opportunity to share my own experience as well how I interacted at first with therapy. That's why I can recognize as well the value of the work after having been through this journey. But for a long time, I was very resistant to even talk to someone else or even seek for help. So it was in 2019. And being at home, being a lot with my thoughts, building a new studio, building a team and having like very high expectation of results at the same time, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. And I don't know, I couldn't explain why. Like failure was just not an option. And I was like putting so much pressure, like I have to succeed. I have to prove to myself or to others that I'm capable of building the studio, releasing a hit, a lot of expectation. And I didn't consider going to a therapist, for example. So a coach was more actually an in-between solution at first because it was a sign of weakness. So my whole, for example, person I was built around, you perform, you have no weaknesses, like being weak, it's not good. I didn't even want to recognize that I needed help until I really hit a wall where I found myself waking up every day with a lot of stress. I was also living with someone who we were fighting all the time and everything was falling apart at once. I think that for me, that was the first sign of recognizing I'm just feeling really tired like lack of sleep. My head is always busy with a lot of conflicting thoughts and I need to make sense of it. And yeah, going to therapy and talking to someone made me realize like my self-image was coming from a very far place than what I thought I wanted. You know, like we see that a lot as Wolf Entrepreneur, this top performer, high achiever profile, which is an image we carry with us, but it's not always an image that we chose to be. And it comes from far, far in childhood and education in the way we were raised. And once we understand that it's not really ours, at least for me, the journey that it was liberating to not try to be that image, but just try to be myself when I get rid of the expectations that were beyond from education or society. Yeah. We don't really teach anybody in school about seeking help for mental stuff. It's more like, yeah, deal with it. It's never something that is casually talked about, like how do you get food on the table versus how do you get help for your mental problems? Yeah. Why is it an important topic when we think of leadership? Well, the people who are in the position of power making decisions that can have a big influence on the direction of the organization, the culture, impact on people. In which way, for example, this to become an obstacle when 
leads, founders are not owning fully those issues that have mental health origins. What have you seen yeah. there? Yeah, I think one of the things that like comes into mind is you making a fight or flight based decision regarding your internal fight or flight mechanism operating based on like your mental health. Mm. And then you're making that decision for the whole company because you're scared versus you are trying to flee from this position, trying to fix it when it's more about your stability internally, which you haven't looked into at all. And you're making decisions without knowing what's going on inside of you. Why are you afraid? Why are you stressed? It's clear that it's very dangerous to have leaders who don't practice self-examination. And at the end of the day, it's, I think a part of the quality is that I believe a lot in leaders is self-awareness, right? And there's the conscious self-awareness and there's the unconscious self-awareness. And we have a lot of unconscious things about ourselves that we are not even aware of. And it's I have to say it's hard or even impossible to fully examine yourself just by thinking about yourself, right? It's like you are with your own glasses that have some filter, so you cannot really fully see. And uh, the magic of a conversation with someone else and professionals, it could also be some big realization for coaching as well. It's like they help you see with uh, uh, glasses that are a little cleaner in a way of who you are. So it's a mirror, but with glasses that don't have those filters or spots that you have for yourself. Here we are comfortable talking about the topic because we have done some work through our own journey. So we recognize the values of it. But how has been your experience where I'm pretty sure you have been advocating for it and talking about it with other entrepreneurs in one-on-one -on -one conversation? What has been the reception to it or the resistance to it and why is that? I think everybody in startups has always this feeling that there's too many things to do, but there's not enough time. And many people manage their stress by taking time off. But I feel that entrepreneurs have a certain thing going on where they are so much like tying their own personality with the company, which I think creates a dangerous point where people don't really get to actually like remove themselves from the situation on a weekend, for instance, to, to not think about the big picture constantly. Like that's at least how I felt always. And I think that's a trap where it's really hard to escape. And I don't think you need to necessarily escape. Like I'm more on the side of looking at symptoms that you start getting from stress. Why are they coming to the surface? If somebody isn't showing any signs of a burnout or having negative mental sort of feelings after being stressed, I think then you're in a much better position. But if you start going into those areas of feeling that oh, I don't want to do anything, like I have a day where I'm just laying in bed and not wanting anything, I think that's a really dangerous zone where I don't want to see any entrepreneur being there without like having any way of getting out of it. Let's take a short break to hear a few words from our sponsors who are making this episode possible. Raise up your game development with a new podcast sponsor, Game Refinery. Game Refinery's analysts and data scientists deconstruct and uncover the best practices behind the most successful mobile games today. With Game Refinery, you can prioritize new features in your product roadmaps based on real-world data. 
save time with a database of almost 100,000 screenshot implementations and thousands of first-time user experience videos. And create your own LiveOps playbook inspired by the best practices of leading developers. Want to learn more about how game developers like Zynga, FunPlus, Rovio, Garena, and King use Game Refinery to build better games with leaner teams? Go to info.gamerefinery.com slash riseandplay to sign up for free access or to request a demo. Or check out the link in the podcast episode notes. Now, let's get back to our conversation. So maybe like here a quick step back, because it's one thing to recognize that you may be in a state of burnout, and this is another thing to make a decision to seek for help. So let's focus first on the first part of awareness, because this is the most important one. What are the signals where you can ask yourself, like, am I in a phase of burnout that is starting or even depression, which is also another mental state that is really hard to self-diagnose, but at least you know that you can have someone to diagnose it for you. So what would they be like on the top of your mind based on your own experience? Yeah, like for me, it was the feeling of becoming sick where I felt, oh, I need to take a day off because I'm getting sick. It's a flu that is coming or something. And that was happening for me on and off for a few years before I started realizing that this is actually something other. And I was blaming too much, I would say, my job as, okay, this is part of the life of an entrepreneur that you are sometimes going to be depressed and feel very tired or sick. But as years have now gone that I've been looking into these things, I think it is more about underlying systems in ourselves, which we haven't actually looked into. You can have something traumatic in your life that changes you and then you react to stress in a certain way. And it's not about being a CEO, being a founder. So I think it leads you to thinking about, okay, what else is it that is causing this? And realizing that it's not the founder work it's not the stress your symptoms can be something that is caused by something underlying things and that's harder to look at hey what's the signs because there might not be any signs of something that is under the surface Mm. so here we talk about the signs that you can observe for yourself right because you are like the one experiencing it But another way to look also at those signs is the impact and the result of you being in a burnout or not like really in touch with yourself. Imagine you're an entrepreneur and then you have some form of burnout or like stress over time, but you don't really recognize it. And like you said, it's part of a job. This comes with being a founder. And what is actually the serious negative impact it can have and on who when you are building a company or already running one? It's part of the thing that leader needs to disappear once in a while <laughs> to, to recover. I think that's not good. That That's number one case. And uh, the company isn't doing well if the leader isn't doing well. I have experienced organization where everything needed to be done now and quick change of decision, like what I needed to do today is like tomorrow is going to be something else. And it as urgent as what I was asked yesterday. So I was in a constant level of rush stress and with very little room for discussion. So it created even for me, an employee, an environment of anxiety where I couldn't even have a conversation with a person to say, hey, what you ask is not going to happen today. And he just couldn't hear it. He was like, I don't care. It needs to happen today. So I'm not saying that the person was in a state of burnout, but for sure, 
not really self-aware and in constant level of stress because what I could feel like now looking back, he put a lot of pressure on himself to look good to the eye of the CEO and the people who were pressing him. So it was just a, a trickling down system, you know, of someone pressing someone else. So someone is very stressed on top and stressing the other executive. And then the stress is just trickling down through the whole organization. And this is how you have a culture of anxiety yes. and toxic management. What do you think could change there? As long as the people who are in power think it's okay to work this way, then nothing changes, right? In the example I just shared, the leader was gone for such a long time because he just couldn't function anymore. But this is where things will change, like where you get to the hospital and then, you know, or go. So that is what could change. Or the other way, which is more structural, you have a lot of people leaving, but unfortunately, those consequences are much lower and companies always find new people to replace. So I have seen from my time organizations staying the same way as long as the leadership in place is the same and they always find solution with staff, unfortunately. Yes. I have a experience where a team lead in a big company, everybody knew that they were experiencing a burnout, but it was never mentioned anywhere because also it falls down into this realm of if somebody's sick you can't really talk about it because it's personal but it wasn't encouraged either that we could talk about these kind of things because it was so sensitive and in a sense like you're not elevating your staff if you can't talk about these kind of hard things if you can't find a way to actually surface that any person here like that you don't know of might be suffering from having stress react in themselves in a way where they can't function anymore. And if we can't talk about that, if we can't get creative and figure out how we can highlight these issues, I think that's one of the biggest problems and one of the reasons why companies can fail is that they don't figure it out. Yeah. And it's like you raise an important point that it's like not looking only at leaders here, but yeah, if a staff as well is going through a burnout, like having the space and something I have seen in more my recent organization, that was the culture we created from the start is to talk about those things quite openly. But again, it starts with the leadership. So by me saying I feel under the weather or even like sharing openly, I've been going to therapy sessions or I have a call today, whatever, and normalizing basically that it's like going to the dentist. It's, I know it's not the same. If you think of it this way, when you take care of your health, going to therapist is your mental uh, doctor in a way and normalizing it. And then people started to talk more about it. I think I'm going through a burnout or, or even some people say I've been diagnosed ADHD, FYI, this is, this is a state I have. So no surprises here. So creating the space for people to acknowledge that we are all different. We have some limitation and uh, different abilities and at different phases of our journey together as a group, as a team, sometimes we seek for help or sometimes even I remember team members asking openly, hey, I'm looking for some therapy help. Can anyone recommend me someone? So it's about normalizing the conversation around it. And how do you start is as well, people were in position of power. So I'm not saying it's not necessarily the CEO who start to talk about it and normalizing it because you are kind of showing the model of what are the rules of what we can talk about in an environment. So it, it creates the safe space when you start with the leaders. Yeah, that's excellent. 
Yeah. When we think as well like about the resistance to even recognize burnout and do something about it, because my intention here is that by having more self-awareness in anyone who is in a position of leadership and treating it properly with the right help, how can we start for someone who recognizes like, oh, I feel under the weather, I don't feel very energized, maybe I have a burnout, but I feel very uncomfortable in even talking about it or even like considering seeing a therapist, which is a big stretch or whatever. So what would you say is like a practical start for someone finding themselves in that situation? What can we offer? It's an excellent question. I, I think there's a few things. I think one of those things is becoming more self-aware. Everybody should practice self-awareness. Like whatever your calendar looks like and feeling like, oh, I don't have time for that or I don't want to. Or maybe you're afraid about what you might discover. I think all of those will be secondary when you want to still find a better life for yourself. And I think being self-aware is not a quick fix, but it will lead you towards even better and better solutions for your life. One of those things that like I spent a lot of time was reading a lot of books on like mental stuff, like meditation, understanding better ways of living a better life and things like that. But I think I've not processed my own internal things enough if I'm just reading books, which is a lot of input, but like focusing on the output side of things is a lot more influential. Like the thing with the therapist, it's basically you talking and creating that output. Mm. There's so much that one-on-one -on -one therapy with a therapist can solve. There's also this kind of group therapy things going on. I've heard of entrepreneurs doing group therapy. What are your thoughts on this input versus output thing? This is where I like your thinking about a lot of things, uh, Joachim. You think really in terms of systems, so it's also a language that makes sense to me. So I never thought of it this way, but... I went through the same journey as well with a lot of input, reading a lot about the topic because I had the phase like the past two, three years. And that's how I think we met as well. I was obsessed about the topic to a point I really wanted to understand. There's something I don't understand and I want to almost master so I can make sense of it for myself and maybe also be in a place where I can support others. So I was reading a lot on the topic psychology, uh, childhood trauma, body trauma, going through my own therapy, like as well, relationship, dysfunctions, relationship and co-founder dynamics have quite a lot of similarities. That could be a topic for another podcast. And in terms of output, yes. So the way I work with therapists was really in phases of life where I was in a storming, like a lot going on, a lot of questions to a point that it was creating stress. And I think that's, I cannot make sense of what's happening I start to become stressed. So it's a desire of control. And maybe the ultimate level is just to let go, to not have control. But I don't think I'm fully there yet. So that was my way of getting back a bit in control of myself and my understanding. So I have been helped with therapists at different phases with a sp specific theme. And so it's a resource that I keep for myself when I find, again, hitting a certain wall. like, oh, okay, I recognize again that this is a moment where that's how I feel, that's the level of stress I feel, and what are my signals. So I advise everyone to find their own internal system to recognize when they are not their regular self. So for me, it's the sleep. If I find myself having very short nights of sleep over a week, it's like something is a little off, 
I need to examine this. Second thing is how I feel in my body. So I was reading a lot about body and emotions. It was from the book, 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. I think I recommended that book before. And it was about reading your own emotions, fear or anger. It's a specific parts of the body that you can feel. So if you are connected to your body and meditation, yoga, or any kind of exercise where you're connected to your body, you can feel those. So that's why I could recognize that when I have anxiety or fear, so it's a stomach ache or it's like something very heavy in the chest. Those are the signs like there's some level of stress. And if this is persisting, this is also a sign I recognize, okay, I need either to take some time off, take a step back, or I need to talk to someone. Yeah, I think for me, going back to therapy after years of not doing it, was like the anxiety of knowing so much about what people have written and told and shared, but that then still not really knowing what is creating these things for me, which is personal and it only comes from talking to a professional who can ask questions and probe. Like I've spent this year also writing like a journal like in a very loose way where I jot down things that come to my mind that I'm thinking about. And then I go back and read what I've been re- writing. But the problem with the journal is that it can stay quite superficial, at least for me, if I allocate time in the morning for journaling. Because of the routineness of it, it becomes a bit of a chore of, okay, what is going on? I need to write something again. So the next step for me in the journaling is to actually just focus on a topic for long term where I try to understand a topic more from different kind of angles so that I could reveal more like why is stress so hard for me to deal with. Yeah, self-examining questions as well. Like how do we react to or feel about negative things about ourselves, right? And I could probably apply the same question to me or why do I feel stress of being stressed? And another level could be, I just accept that I'm in a phase of stress, that it has a start and an end eventually, not embracing it, but be friend with it. So that's another philosophy as well of how to be more grounded and stable with your emotions. But I think we have a lot of uh, traits of, again, like high performers we see more in business and entrepreneurship. But when we examine them a bit further, coming from places that were not chosen as we were born with it, but more from how we grew up and the things that influence us and the things that make a purpose in life. So those things need to be examined back to the motivation of people who are in leadership position. Are the decisions coming from the right place with the right motivation? Like... Is it the right decision that is being made? And it's not a judgment, but like a very egocentric place that may not be serving the goal of what you're building on a company level, right? Because it's an outcome towards financials or impact on others, etc. I think that's really the roots of why we care about that topic here, back to why we should talk about it and why maybe leaders could have a bit more awareness and ownership on the topic of the mental health fight against evil or trying to undo some wrong in the world, which is the fact that people shy away from talking about like how they're dealing mentally with stuff. (laughs) Okay, we need to stay healthy, exercise, eat well, but you definitely don't see people like as happily or easily talk about like mental struggles, which I think is something that needs to change. 
I hope with this conversation we've had today that it will open more the the minds of normalizing more of the topic. And that's why I wanted so much to talk about it because we have also our credibility in the industry and our credential. And that doesn't make us less by talking about those things. That's actually what helped us get there. And I think that's a message I wanted to bring here is like, it is okay to actually acknowledge that it's happening whether you like it or not. And then what do you really want to do about it? Taking responsibility of your life, mm. especially in a position of leadership. Yeah, I, I think... The one question there is, okay, what are you going to do about it is the thing. Like we need to take action as well. I'm from the perspective of, okay, I have mental issues or I feel I can't work. I'm so stressed. I just need to lie down for a day. What are you doing about it? People need to take action. So if I hear an entrepreneur who is struggling with these things, like if they're not taking action, they're sort of like not understanding what is the next thing you need to do? You're being open about it, but you need to take some action to get things under control. One of the interesting things is like people hold back talking about their current burnout. You might be in a situation where you have investors, you have different kind of people around you who are looking up to you to actually take the company to the next level. And there's limited time, limited runway. So in a sense, these things like building companies take years, but should the entrepreneurs stay in a rut for all those years and they're not dealing with these things is something that I think all the investors and everybody who are supporting company building should look into actually like how to address these kind of situations. At least that's an area where I'm trying to put a lot more effort into. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Or direction where also investors are supporters of company building. When you have like this company update, check as well on the pulse of how the CEO of founders are doing mentally, right? Like you say, creative ways where we normalize the conversation is like, how are you doing? How, what is your level of stress? Because this is a risk and a threat to the future success of a company we're investing in if you are always on, on edge and stress, right? So recognizing this maybe as an important topic from on the investor side as a conversation could also help normalize more of this conversation from two ends. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks a lot, Joachim, for joining this conversation on burnout and sharing your own very personal experience. I felt really safe as well to share my own. And I know those, those topics are not always easy to share because, again, there's a lot of prejudice and judgment around it. But I think we have concluded here that this is the most responsible thing to do when you want to own your life is owning like the inner part as well, the dark inner part of ourselves to make sure that you make conscious decisions when running a company. So thanks again for joining today. Yeah, thanks, Sophie. This was so great. Take care until the next time. Thanks for listening to this latest episode of the Rise and Play podcast. I am trying to grow a community of conscious leaders across the industry and beyond. So if you want to join this movement, please share the podcast with other conscious leaders because we have so much more we can learn from each other. Also, please don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss out on future content. Every episode is packed with actionable insights that will help you improve your leadership skills now. And if you are interested in learning more on the topics that we discussed today, you can find more insights on riseandplay.io and there you will also find my free masterclass on conscious leadership. So have a great week and until the next time.